Welcome to the Voice of Prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these challenging days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming again. This is HMS Richards, Jr., Today you'll hear the music of the King's Heralds Quartet, Del Delker, and Brad Braley. My father, H.M.S. Richards, presents the message entitled, Stories of Christ's Return. To begin with, the King's Heralds bring to us a very positive song, Yes, God is Real. There are some things, some things that I may not know. God is real, is real, real in my soul, in my soul. My God is real, for He has washed and made me whole. And His love for me, His love for me, is like pure gold. My God is real. Oh 
Yes, friend, God certainly is real, and he has spoken to us through his prophets in his holy word, the Bible. One message that's very prominent in Scripture is the fact that God will soon bring the sinful history of this world to a conclusion. For some, it will be a day of defeat and deep disappointment. For others, it will be a day of joy and indescribable fulfillment. It will be the day of Christ's return. Friend, we want you to know more about it, so we're offering you a free copy of the booklet entitled Our Lord's Second Coming. It's a compilation of practically every text in the New Testament that touches on Jesus' soon return. Why don't you write us today for a free copy of Our Lord's Second Coming? That's the title. Our address is The Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, Los Angeles, 90053. That's Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, Los Angeles, 90053. When you write for the booklet, Our Lord's Second Coming, please remember to mention the call letters of this station. We'll really appreciate it. The address again is The Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, that's Box 55, Los Angeles, 90053. Now, friend, if you missed any of the information on how to receive a free copy of Our Lord's Second Coming, please have a pencil ready because I'll be mentioning it again later in this broadcast. And now Del Delker, our contralto soloist on the broadcast, is bringing to us one of our favorites, The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his Rain. 
Thank you, Dell. Here now is my father, Dr. H.M.S. Richards, and his subject, Stories of Christ's Return. Thank you, son. Here's a wonderful story about Christ's return. In his own words, Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 35th verse. It's a story of the watchful servants. Listen to what Jesus said. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. That is, have your belt on, have your lantern ready, and be ready to move, ready to go. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Notice, friends, what Jesus is speaking here about is his own people. He's talking to Christians. He says that he will come in an hour when they, the Christians, think not. It's very possible that many of us depend too much upon our own ideas of the Lord's coming. We look for a succession of prophetic events that must take place before he comes in a certain order. And we give a certain amount of time to all this, and a certain amount of time to that, have it all figured out. We say Christ cannot come for so many years, or he must come before this date or that. Our general idea may be correct, but some of these events may take place concurrently or faster than we expect, or possibly we're wrong in some of them. In any case, the coming of the Lord will be a tremendous surprise, a wonderful surprise, at least as far as the time of his return is concerned, at an hour when you, Christians, think not. The great message of this story that Jesus told is that we must ever be prepared for his second coming. We must live up to the light we have, for there is a personal accountability for truth that faces every one of us. We're responsible for the knowledge that God has given us through his word. We are to be like servants waiting for the return of their master. Let your loins be girded about. That is, be ready whenever he comes. And your light's burning. We must be showing forth the word of God in our lives and our teaching. We are told that if we're watching for his return, we're blessed. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. There's a great reward for such servants. They will take part in the marriage supper of the Lamb. In ancient times, the night was divided into watches. We read here, And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, that is, watching, blessed are those servants. Then the Savior uses the illustration of the owner of the house that had some reason to believe that there were thieves in the neighborhood. Jesus said if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. Great events are impending. Big things are coming, friends. The coming of Christ will mean the end of human probation, the setting up of God's kingdom of glory here on earth. We ought to be thinking about these things right now. We ought to be prepared for anything tonight, today, tomorrow. One thing is certain. We're not prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ unless we're his servants, his disciples. What is a disciple of Christ? It's one who fears him, believes in him, follows him to the best of his light. To those who heard Jesus in his day, he said, 
If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31. To be a disciple of Christ or a follower of Christ, we must continue in his word. Not only hear it, believe it, but continue in it, obey it, do it. It's only then that we can know the truth and find freedom through the truth. To be a true disciple is to be a true Christian, as we read in Acts eleven twenty six. Notice, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. They talked so much about Jesus and prayed in his name, were always thinking about him. People called them the Christ people. That's why they were called Christians or Christ's people. The big question now is not exactly when is Christ coming, which, of course, no man knows. But am I a Christian? Am I a disciple? One who really follows him. In other words, am I ready to go if he should come tonight? Well, it's a big question that each one of us must face. Exactly when is Christ coming? This, of course, no man can tell, but am I ready? Here's a true story about a man named John who was employed to drive the car of a Christian businessman who had prospered greatly and had plenty of money. He was also a faithful witness for the Savior. This man would have talks with John about salvation and the necessity of accepting Christ as his Savior and being ready for that which lies beyond this life. One day, while he was telling his driver about this blessed hope of the Lord's return, he said, John, when the Lord comes, you can have this car. Why, do you really mean that? Yes, sir, and more than that, John. You and your wife can have my big house and everything in it. Thank you, thank you, sir, said John fervently. Not only so, but you can also have all the money and property that I have when the Lord comes. Overjoyed, John returned home and told his wife all about it. They were so thrilled they could hardly sleep that night. They went to bed, but they couldn't sleep. In the middle of the night, John got up and went over to the home of his employer, knocked loudly on the door. Finally, his friend and employer came down and said, What is it? Who is it? What's, I'm John, your driver. What's the matter, John? Why do you come at this hour of the night and wake me up? Oh, sir, I don't want your car. Don't want my car, John. Why not? Not your home, nor your money, nor your property either. Well, then, John, what is it you do want? Oh, sir, I want to be saved. I want to be ready, as you are, for the coming of the Lord. John was right. To be ready is the big thing. And let's take another of Jesus' wonderful stories about his return. Here it is, Matthew 20, the first 16 verses. We'll not read all of it since our time is limited. In brief, the story is this. A certain man owned a vineyard and went out in the morning to hire a man to work for him. He found a number of laborers, and they agreed to go and work for a certain amount, which was the regular daily wage at that time. Again, at the third hour of the day, which is about 9 o'clock in our time, he went out and found other men idle, so he hired them with the assurance that he would pay them what was right. And at the sixth hour, which was the noon hour, and at the ninth hour, about three in the afternoon, he hired still more workers. Then about the eleventh hour, he went out and hired still others. The eleventh hour would be just about five o'clock. Why, would they have only an hour to work? Well, that was it. At the close of the day, when the laborers came in to get their wages, all were paid the same. Those who had worked all day complained because those who had worked only one hour got the same amount. Then the employer reminded them that they had all agreed to work for that amount and were happy for the chance. He said, friend, I'm not doing you any wrong. Didn't you agree? For a penny, that is whatever the amount of money was at that time. Take what's yours and go your way, the employer continued, and I will give unto the last the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I want to with my own money? Is your eye evil because I'm good? 
So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen, Jesus said. This shows us that while we face the great decision of eternity at the second coming of Christ, God measures our service by willingness and fidelity. It is not the amount of time we put in. It's not how many years we've been working, but it's how we work, the spirit in which we work. The close of earth's day is about to come. The night of all human endeavor will soon come. Our salvation is not based upon our works, rather upon the faithfulness and earnestness of our service to him. One thing and the important thing is this. All true believers receive eternal life from the gracious hand of God. Some, like the dying thief, turn to God only in the very last moments of life. Others have long lives of service. Now with this word to you, friend, what sort of service do you render to Christ? How does your life witness for him? Do you truly render to the Lord the best that you have, a life consecrated to him, filled with the Holy Spirit? We must all leave the reward of our labors in the hands of the God of all righteousness, all mercy, all love. Let's go forward faithfully in his service right here in this world, knowing that he will take care of us in the great world of the future. Remember what Jesus said as recorded in John fourteen three, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Notice, receive you, take you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's when Jesus comes again that we're to be received by him. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, that is, if we're alive when he comes, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a promise. Those are the words of St. Paul in First Thessalonians four sixteen. It's only when he returns the second time that we shall be with him. Not when we die, but when Jesus comes. That's First Thessalonians 4.16, remember. You better mark it. Read it often. It is those who are in Christ, those who have believed in him, and through faith have received eternal life. Those who have Christ's righteousness attributed to them in the courts of heaven. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is to be a true, trusting Christian. Those who are in Christ, those who are living here and now, in the power of his Holy Spirit, those who are waiting for him to come and telling others about it, those who are ready for him to come, who will be taken with him when he comes. Now, shall we be ready? How shall we get ready? Our preparation to meet him must be made every day. Every day we can talk with the Lord. That means prayer. Every day we can give our hearts to him anew. Every day we can give our best hours to him and thank him for keeping us and taking care of us because we live and breathe as he helps us and leads us. We're told of an atheist lecturer in Britain who once gave an address in which he thought he had demolished all the arguments for the scriptures, for Christ, for Christianity. He wound up by saying, Now, I hope I have succeeded in explaining to you that the existence of Jesus Christ is a myth. He never lived. There was no such person. When he had finished all this, a miner who had come to the lecture in his grimy clothes stood up and said, Sir, I'm only a common working man, and I don't know what you mean by the word myth. 
But can you explain me? Can you explain me? Three years ago, I had a miserable home. I left my wife and children in rags and tatters without enough food to eat. I cursed and swore. I drank up all my wages. Then someone came along and showed me the love of God and the love of Jesus, his son. Now everything's different. I've given up drink. I've given up my sins. I have a happy home and my wife and children smile and laugh all the time. I feel better every day. A new power has taken possession of me and I'm not the same. Christ came into my life just as he said he would. Sir, can you explain me? Of course, the atheist could not explain him, not without giving up his skepticism and unbelief, not without ceasing to be an atheist. In fact, nobody can truly explain the change that comes into the life of a Christian unless he has experienced it himself. Listen, radio friend, Christ can help you, and he will help you, and make you like Jesus if you want him to, and if you ask him to. May God bless you and help you and instruct you, everyone listening now, so that you too may be unexplainable to the atheist, unexplainable to the unbeliever, but explainable to those who know Jesus and believe his word. And so we appeal to you, give your heart to Christ now, study his word, and be prepared for him when he comes a second time. And so we say, have faith in God till Advent glory burns. Have faith in God, for Christ the pilgrim yearns. Have faith in God, and he returns, returns. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Heavenly Father, bless all our hearers. Remember their family problems. Remember them in every way. Give them the faith which will lead them to heaven at last. Prepare us for the second coming of Christ. Give us that blessed hope burning in our hearts that we may be ready for that day and not be failures. Keep us faithful, keep us true until Jesus comes. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God and in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for thee. The Lord is coming, are you ready? The Lord is coming, are you Jesus.
Jesus bought your life on Calvary's mountain, and soon he will come again for you. The Lord is coming, are you ready? The Lord is coming, are you This is Kenneth Richards, and friend, I want to ask you, are you ready? Is the return of Jesus a living hope, a bright promise for you? It can be. Jesus is coming to take his people home, and he wants you to be a part of that great company that's going to leave planet Earth headed for heaven. To help you make sure you're ready when Jesus comes, we'd like to send you a cassette of today's broadcast. We also have a book for you entitled, Our Lord's Second Coming. The book is free. The cassette costs $5. For either the book or cassette, call us at 1-800-872-0055. That's 1-800-872-0055. Or you can write us at the Voice of Prophecy, Box 55, Los Angeles, 90053. In Canada, it's Box 2127, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. Today's program has been a rebroadcast of an old classic from the Voice of Prophecy archives. It was first aired back in February of 1981. In coming months, we'll be periodically sharing with you some of these vintage broadcasts which feature the preaching of my father, HMS Richards. So be sure to tune in each week. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. good doctor should know what he's talking about. He's the chief of adolescent medicine at the University of New Mexico Hospital in Albuquerque. But I think he's missed something. Talking about the limits of parental discipline, he said, we do as much as we can, but in the face of 14,000 sexual messages kids see on TV every year, we have less control over our kids than we'd like or than our parents had over us. Society has changed. The TV set is like one giant peer group that we didn't really have growing up. I don't argue that TV exerts a powerful influence, but it is not inevitable that our children will see those 14,000 sexual messages. Those messages may be broadcast, but we are not helpless victims. Our children don't have to watch. We can turn it off, and if that doesn't work, we can get rid of the set. It is not inevitable that our children will be exposed daily to vivid images of sexual titillation. They do not have to see a murder a day. Moral pollution is like ultraviolet light. The amount of exposure is crucial, and parents can make choices. The off button and the dumpster both work. For the Voice of Prophecy and the Seventh-day Adventist Church, this is John McLarty. <laughs>